Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Bread. I'm your host, David. Glad to be back. Another big show this week. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, lots going on with all of the ETF and Bitcoin news. I want to talk about where we're at post Bitcoin ETF going live. Uh, we'll recap kind of the week a little bit and where we're at um, and kind of what we're looking for going forward as far as grayscale selling with GBTC. Um, potential inflows, outflows, the bigger picture. And then uh, I want to talk about other catalyst trades as well towards the end. And we may do a little charts as well. So let's start off off the bat just with Bitcoin. So obviously we had the ETF get approved Wednesday after hours US time and then it went live Thursday morning. And we literally put the top in on Thursday morning within the first hour or so of the market open at 49k BTC. And since then, we've completely dropped off uh, back towards about 42k at the time of this recording, recording this on Sunday. Uh, it's kind of a tough read right now. So on the last episode, to recap last week, I said going in that my feeling was potentially bearish and that I was kind of saying that it felt like potentially we could be in local top territory, but it was a hard read because of the Bitcoin inflows. Um, and unfortunately, I was kind of half right, half wrong because I was right that, yes, now it's looking more kind of top. I mean, it was local top in the sense that it went from 49 to 42. But to be fair, I think it was like 45 at the time of the last podcast. So it did go higher. Um, and this week was very rough. Um, it was super choppy. I'll be honest. I did not have a good week. I, I was disappointed in myself. I put a couple of tweets out about it. Um, I always like to be transparent on this show when I don't have a good week. And it was disappointing because I had a lot of, uh, good and bad reads. Like, like I said, so last week I was saying that the market felt a bit exhausted in terms of the alt rotation game and, um, Bitcoin itself feeling a little toppy and we very much did see a lot of alt bleed out this week, but we also saw lots of random pumps, especially uh, after the BTC ETF approval. We also saw tons of uh, fake news, which really, really screwed me up in my trading because that was not fun. It's like, oh, approved. Oh, never mind. Oh, we deleted it from the website. Oh, our the SEC Twitter got hacked. So that was that was a mess. That was not fun. And by the end of it, I think everyone who was trading this was just exhausted and just wanted to get it over with. Um, but nonetheless, it wasn't a great trading week for me. But you know, we kind of move on, um, kind of chop myself. It's, it's, it's disappointing, too, because I go back to the last episode last week, and I talk about some of the trades. And I was like, Oh, cool. So I was long blur at like I said on the on last week's episode, I said, if you can get fills in like the mid to low 40s, uh, that should be a good entry and blur went from 43 cents I think it tapped 70, but it was like high 60s. Um, and so that was like a 60% move. And I closed blur at like 49 from like 43, 44. Uh, because I kind of flipped bearish and I thought alts were going to come down. And I was wrong in that. Some alts did, some alts didn't. The ETH-related alts went up a lot, obviously, because ETH kind of had its breakout. And we'll talk about ETH in a minute um, once we get past Bitcoin, but overall it has been a tough read on this market this week. And I think the price action reflects that in the nature of how choppy it was. But now we find ourselves in a situation where Bitcoin is potentially topped. 
uh locally at least i i again like i said i still remain like i say it every episode long term still very bullish i think bitcoin's going much higher and the market as a whole is going much higher um but you know in the near term what does it look like i don't think you should get like max bearish in the low 40s obviously um because as of now we have not lost the low 40s and i don't like betting on losing strong ranges and this has been a strong range for bitcoin so i don't love betting on it losing 40 i also don't love being super heavily positioned here one thing i have been doing that has limited my losses fortunately and not that i had a lot of losses i just drew down a couple percent of my portfolio this week which i wasn't happy about but you know it is what it is it's it's funny i literally started uh january 1st um if you remember that weekend we kind of we kind of were bleeding out on the whole like new year's weekend pre pre new year's day and then new year's day we pumped and i had been buying on the new year's eve weekend and so i made a bunch of money like the first day of the, the year and i was like all right let's go we're back like good start to the year and that was my portfolio top first day of the year and now we're like two weeks later and i'm 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 a few percent off of that nothing crazy but you know nothing i can't make back but um, just kind of like more frustrated with my execution than anything. Um, but it's hard because I look back and I say, one, you know, and it, and this is to like, because I, I feel like a lot of times, especially on crypto Twitter and, and just in general, people only share their wins. They never share their losses or they rarely share their losses. And if you didn't play this week perfectly, then you feel like an idiot because everyone else is a genius who made a trillion dollars this week. Um, I like to be honest and it's, it's, it's hard because I'm like, I don't want to be myself too much because one, there was literally like multiple fake newses that happened, um, over and over that by the time the actual event happened, one of the things that messed me up is that when the Bitcoin ETF was approved uh, officially, uh, for the third time, the real time, the market didn't react for like 20 minutes or so. And I was basically waiting all day to fill shorts uh if we didn't go up fast because the day before on the on the fake sec tweet we ripped the 48k and we dumped back down to 44 and then the fake news came out that it was a fake tweet right so we had already dumped back to 44 and so that made me feel mm, maybe maybe the announcement is sell the news and so i was ready to fill shorts especially on alts because i thought alts were just going to totally lose it because the structure was looking terrible on a lot of them if the etf got rejected or i'm sorry i'm not rejected if the etf once the etf got approved for real and so when it did get approved there was literally like no market reaction for 20 minutes or so you can go look on the chart i don't know exactly the time just i think it was roughly 20 minutes and so I was like, okay, we're not even going up at all. There's no bid. So I started filling shorts after about 15, 20 minutes of no reaction. And so I started filling my shorts. And then after, I don't know, like I said, like 20, 30 minutes or so, then all of a sudden this spot bid started coming in um, on Bitcoin and started pushing it up. And then we pushed up to like 47K, I think, on that evening. Um, and this is this was Wednesday evening US and so I mean I cut my shorts very quickly once that spot bid came in but all started ripping and so I missed not only did I get chipped a little on the downside I missed the potential great trade towards the upside you know uh, because I kind of got psyops out 
of the of the of the trade because of the weird price action and the fake news the day before and the lack of reaction on the actual official announcement the day of. Um, fortunately, I did flip long later. Like as soon as I realized I was wrong, I missed the initial move, but I flipped long quickly and I was able to make back what I lost uh, on the shorts. So it wasn't a big deal. But then the next day, I kind of chopped myself more. So just not a great week. Just lots of lots of chopping myself up. Um, but fortunately, I had I did size down because for me. Um, some people disagree with this when it comes to trading, but I certainly size relative to conviction. Some people say you shouldn't do that because, you know, that's not, uh, a mathematical approach, but I don't trade off of math. I mean, I do in a sense, but I, I trade, I'm much more of an instinctive gut trader. I've talked about that a lot on the show. If you go back in, in, in previous episodes, um, I'm very much like a feel trader. I, 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 I like to feel a flow with the market and that's, that's how I trade. And a lot of it is just off of instinct. And obviously there are, there's, there's data I look at and, and I look for setups and all this stuff. But a lot of it is when I'm doing my best trading, I'm trying to think less and flow more. And I have not been in sync with the market at all. I don't think most people have been in sync with the market at all because it's been all over the place. And this was obviously a unique event. It was a unique event. We'll never get another Bitcoin ETF approval. This is the only time it's ever going to happen. Um, even the ETH ETF or any other potential coin ETF will not be the same as this because this is, first of all, Bitcoin, the biggest coin, and it's the first spot ETF we'll, we've ever had in crypto. So very unique event. I didn't trade it that well, but it is what it is. You move on because you're not going to get another event like this again. So going forward, I don't know that I'm going to trade, change my trading too much because I don't feel confident supersizing up on positions here, right? I think the time to size up on positions was November, December, right? Um, if anything, if you're up a ton, you should have been kind of reducing going into the ETF. I certainly did. Frankly, I'll be totally transparent. I've been about 60, 70%, uh, maybe not. Right now, I'm about 70% stables. I was like 40, 50, um, like a week ago. And I basically, I just sold a lot of my spot positions that I was up a lot on. And then, you know, longs, I'm kind of in and out. So it's hard to measure that. But right now, I'm about 70% stabled up. And maybe that'll be a mistake, but right now I'm not looking to lose money. Um, I'm big on like the thing that I do best more than anything is keeping my money. And um, I actually posted on Twitter a graph of my equity chart throughout the year. And it, it, again, this is a trading style thing. Some people take huge swings and you know, they make huge wins and, and big losses. And that's how they trade. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll forex their portfolio one month and then take a 50% drawdown the next. And maybe, you know, you're net up 2x on your portfolio and that's the way you trade and that works. And that's awesome. But I'm not that guy. I'm not the, I'm going to just take giant swings for the fences and my portfolio is looking like this all the time. I don't like that. Um, I'm more conservative with my portfolio because frankly, and maybe this, maybe this is a cop out, but this is my, my thing. I, I've kind of proven to myself that I can build my portfolio over time, over many, many, many trades. You know, it's funny cause I, you know, I, I have, I've been using my tax software to get an idea of what my taxes are going to be for the year since, since, uh, 2023 is over. And, uh, you know, I have like thousands of transactions for the year, you know? And so for me, it's like, well, 
you know, I have confidence that basically I know what my portfolio performance was over the last year, and it was pretty damn good. Um, and I'm like, well, I did those many multiples on my portfolio over thousands of trades. It wasn't like I had one big winner or two big winners. No, literally, I don't think I think maybe I'm trying to think what my single biggest winner was because I'm just not the guy who like, oh, half of my annual gains were from one trade. No, I don't think any single winner was responsible for more than maybe 10%. Nah, yeah, nah, a little more, like 10 to 15% of my annual gains were from like my top trades. That's it. It's, I'm not a guy who like, oh, I take 100 trades and two of them are like my big winners. No, that's not me. I'm like, I make consistent trades all the time and I'll have losing streaks and whatever, but that's that's how I trade. And so because of that, in this particular environment, I prefer to be more stabled up because I'm comfortable like getting back in. Like I, I think one of the things with crypto that is so underrated is that people are very bad at flipping bias and admitting when they're wrong. And that's why you see so many people who are like perma bears or perma bulls on the way down that they just like, they can only, they only kind of know how to be one way, you know? And, and I'm like the opposite. I will flip on a daily basis. Like I'll tell you I'm 70% stable now. And then you'll talk to me tomorrow. I'm like, oh no, I'm all in. And you're like, what? Like that's, that's how much I will flip. And I'm comfortable doing that because I've been doing that for a while now. But I do that. I trade very defensively in, a, in an environment like this because I know that there will be another time, especially like I like I was saying last week, where one of my my hesitations was that you know the last couple of months have been really good, and there's a lot of people who are probably up a lot right in the last few months. Are they going to as soon as the market stops rewarding buying dips and stops being as friendly and trending upwards and being much more choppy? Are they going to start playing a lot more defensive too and sizing down and cashing out taking profit, right? Because that's what I've done. And I would imagine a lot of other people are doing similarly, right? And so when I think about my next move, I think I want to kind of take a step back, especially after a week like this, where it's been super choppy and I don't have a good feel. And there's all these unknowns with how much grayscale BTC is going to be sold and, um, you know, what the market, what's the inflow versus outflow of, of all these, of, of, of the, you know, TradFi dynamics, which is a whole other thing that I'll get into in a sec, um, that I don't have edge in TradFi flows. And I don't think most of us do. And that's a lot of the frustration now is that I think a lot of us have our our systems in the sense of I, I know where I look at what Binance and Coinbase and Bitfinex and like these exchanges are doing. And now I feel off because now I have to go look and see what Grayscale is selling and look to see what the BlackRock ETF inflows are, all these things, right? Um, things that I'm not used to and I don't have comfort in my edge on right and so that alone i need to take a step back and not be super risk on because the regime has changed in a sense on this market and so i don't have the same feel that i normally would and i'll and i'll get it back and i'm sure a lot of this will normalize after the first couple of weeks but right now i don't need to be max risk on and the other thing is that i was saying about being underrated is that 
I know that I'm good at flipping on a dime and riding a trend when it's there. Like if there's anything that I know how to do, it's getting on a trend and riding it hard, right? And that was what I did in, in October, November, December. And I'm happy to do that, like if it happens again, right? But right now we are clearly not in a trending environment, right? You have a couple alts here and there that are doing well, but outside of that, most alts, if you look across the board, have not done that well in the past few weeks, right? You have a few isolated ones, you have the ETH betas, uh, you have TIA, you have a few things here and there that have like continued to trend up, but it is not like a rising tide lifts all boats market at all right now. Um, and it's very much been a rotation game as well, where if you look at, you know, a few of the coins that I was trading even just like a couple weeks ago, like on the on January 1st, when I made money, it was like, oh, I hit Mina, I hit um, Say, and I think I hit some of the ETH bait. I think the ARB or something were like the main positions I was in. And if you look at those, ARB has continued to go up because ETH kind of caught a rotation. But if you look at Mina and Say, those both dumped like 40, 30 to 40%. Say went down like 30%, I think, and, and Mina went down like 45% or something. Just, just from like in a week. You know, and so that and, and they haven't like fully recovered. They recovered a bit, but they haven't fully recovered at all. Um, and so that tells me that this rotation game is just moving super fast. Um, and that tends to happen when the market is reaching exhaustion and there's less money flowing in. Now, the ETF is very bullish longer term because now there's a whole new class of investors from passive retail uh, buyers to potentially institutions who didn't want to trade, uh, you know, Bitcoin miners or MSTR stock or GBTC or things like this, right, who now uh, will happily play uh, a spot ETF. So there's a whole there's a whole new class of investors that have access to crypto now, uh, or Bitcoin specifically, I should say. Um, so that's good, but that doesn't happen instantly, right? Um, one thing I was saying to a friend of mine the other day that that I thought was like a good a good line is that crypto is very much on Zoomer time, and it now needs to be on Boomer time, or I should say, crypto participants, right? First of all, a lot of us are Gen Z, or if you're not Gen Z, you trade like Gen Z because this market is so like ADHD, no memory, like if this coin doesn't go up 30% today, it's worthless and blah, 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 right? That is not how TradFi works. TradFi moves much slower. And we can't expect Bitcoin, just because it's Bitcoin, to all of a sudden be the unique asset that all of TradFi is going to change their habits. Now, TradFi, I will say, has become more like crypto over the last few years, um, but they're not going to fully they're not there yet. I don't know. I don't want to say down the road, but with the with the with the monetary regime, who knows? Maybe things will continue to get crazier. But we are on Zoomer time. We need to be more on Boomer time when it comes to these expectations around the Bitcoin ETF. And because of that, we may very well slow down in the market overall for the next month or two. Um, the question for me is I don't think Bitcoin's just gonna start rocking and rolling very soon, at least not in the next couple of weeks. Um, potentially even, you know, for over a month, we'll see. The question is more alts, um, because Bitcoin has this structural sell pressure on it right now from the grayscale 
uh, GBTC, that there's a lot of people who have either been trapped in it or took the pair trade that are looking to get out. Um, and until that clears up, I think I would guess, I would guess that most of it clears up this week. Because um, if you're looking to get out urgently, you know, you had a couple days, Thursday, Friday, and then you'll have, you only have four days this week because this is a, a holiday week, Monday's closed. But, you know, you'll have six market days to get out. I would assume if you're looking to run for the door, you will do it in those six days. And then the trickle may be much slower from there. Um, there are other dynamics at play. If it depegs too much, maybe people will wait for the repeg and, and all this. But um, the general idea is that there's going to be some structural selling on Bitcoin. And also just a lot of people taking profits too. Um, one of the things that was a little worrying is that if you looked at the net inflows on the ETFs on uh, the first two days, I think, I don't know the exact numbers because they were they were kind of all over the place and it was mixed signals, but I think there was roughly like 750 million, I think um, roughly in net buying in the first two days from the ETFs, which, and you know, price went down. So that means that there was net selling from non-ETFs, from crypto natives, uh, if it was 750 million and we went down pretty significantly, I would guess like maybe double that, maybe maybe less, maybe one and a quarter billion, something like that, right? But there was certainly over a billion dollars of net selling from non-ETF uh, buyers, which means that, or, or traders, which means that it was crypto natives, right? So there was over a billion dollars of crypto native profit taking on Bitcoin. Um, and so now you have to ask, how many more people are going to take profit, right? If you're in Bitcoin from 25K, 30K, whatever, um, for the ETF trade, and you're thinking, okay, that might have been the top, and you haven't sold yet, and you see, okay, we went to 49 and then dumped all the way back to like 41.5 and we're just chilling at 42. How quickly are you gonna start getting cold feet and say, you know what, I'm just gonna take my profits and run? Um, so these are all the different dynamics. And I think, the most likely outcome is that Bitcoin is going to be kind of choppy, if not begin a downtrend a little bit here. I don't think we're going to see anything crazy. Um, I think the low we would go to would be like 35-ish to 38 area. And that just makes sense structurally on the chart. You know, we could always go lower. I don't want to say, you know, it's hard to make price predictions on these things you can always go we always tend to go lower or higher than than we might think but 35 to 38 is like the obvious area to bottom out if we were to lose 40 um and for the past year the obvious level has been the obvious level and that's something i talked about on the podcast a lot too is that you know 25k was the obvious level in back in the summer and that ended up being the bottom right and before that it was like 20k was the obvious level and that ended up being the bottom right so I think 35 to 38, that kind of order block area makes sense to be the bottom if we were gonna if we were gonna lose 40. Uh, and I would I would expect there's a lot of people who will step in to buy there, um, especially TradFi as well. If they were looking for an entry, that would be the entry. And so that's that's the state of Bitcoin. Now that sell pressure only exists on Bitcoin, at least for now. Um, there is no structural sell pressure on alts across the board. I mean, individual alts are, have like unlocks, whatever, but I'm talking like there's no, there's not the same dynamic. So the question now for me, and I think a lot of people is, okay, Bitcoin may be locally topped, but now do we see an alt season? My only problem when people say, oh, it's alt season time, it's to act as if 
we haven't been in like an alt rally for the last few months. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't trade Bitcoin that much. I'll take a Bitcoin uh, scalp here and there. But for the most part, I trade alts and I made a bunch of money trading alts the last few months. And I think a lot of other people too. So I don't know when people say, oh, now's time for alt season. It's like, hmm. We've been in alt season. Now, it could be like blow off top alt season where we get some really dumb stuff happening. And that's like, I think a very likely scenario. But the question is, how much does the alt correlation account for Bitcoin? I, if Bitcoin holds 40K and stays like ranging between like 40, 45, kind of like it was in December, then yeah, I think alts continue to go. If Bitcoin loses 40, I have a hard time believing alts are not going to also just nuke it out, right? I think that would be pretty clear. Um, so that's that's really it. Like, does Bitcoin? I want. I'm going to be sized down, taking a step back, not looking to like rush into trades uh, this week. Uh, if I see a good setup, if I like something, I'll take it. But I'm not going to be like going hard on things this week. I want to see what Bitcoin does. If Bitcoin loses 40, then all bets are off. I wouldn't be in any alts. Um, if we hold 40 and then we just start chopping around, then alts probably have the go ahead to continue doing what they want to do. Now, it still may be a rotation game and all of this, and it may not last that long. I don't know how long alts would continue, but that's what I would guess. So let's move on. Let's actually talk about ETH and Solana. Um, as far as the, the, the other major trades that I would look at. So let's talk about the ETH trade. The ETH trade is very tricky, and I put out a tweet about this um, where I essentially said, and this was this was before the the little ETH rally, but um, I said putting on the ETH trade is very hard because one, it's five months out, right? If you're looking at uh, it, taking it as an ETF trade because of what Bitcoin just did, it's five months out. It, it would be in May would be would be when the ETF would potentially be approved for Ethereum. So that's number one. Five months is an eternity in crypto. And you know, there's going to be so many shakeouts, and and so and ETH is just notoriously a a very difficult asset to trade, and I don't necessarily see that changing anytime soon. And I think this week's price action kind of showed it. Also, Bitcoin topping on the ETF may not be great for ETH because Grayscale also owns a bunch of Ethereum that will just like Bitcoin, need to be sold um, when it goes live. Now, again, not all of it will be sold. We don't know how much exactly, but it's very similar dynamic where there is an ETH trust. People are doing the pair trade. There's people who have been trapped in that for a while. So that's something to take into account too, that there will be overhanging supply as soon as the ETH ETF goes live. And if you just witnessed what happened with the Bitcoin ETF, why would you rush in on day one to go buy the ETH ETF, right? So these are other dynamics you have to think about. And then the other thing is just, okay, if you're going to put the ETH trade on, but you think Bitcoin potentially goes back towards, uh, you know, 38K, 36K or something, how are you taking that trade? Because a lot of people are just taking naked ETH long. Um, but what happens to ETH if Bitcoin goes to 38? What price is ETH at? Does ETH hold above 2K in that scenario? Hopefully. What if Bitcoin goes to 35K? Is ETH still above 2K in that scenario? Are we going back to 1900? Um, so the, the solution to that would be, okay, take the ETH BTC trade. But frankly, I think for a lot of you and including myself, I don't know how much how attractive the ETH BTC trade is 
uh, for the longer term. Now, this is not talking to institutions in Wales and all of you guys who have giant capital bases and to you, you know, making um, a 30% gain over, you know, months is like a great trade. You know, for me, that's not a great trade. I don't want to sit in something to make 30% in three months. You know, there's a million things I can do to outperform that. Um, so ETH BTC is just not super attractive unless you think the ETH BTC pair is going to go ballistic, but I don't know how ballistic you think it would go, right? Actually, let's let's pull up charts real quick since uh, we're talking about this. So let me pull up ETH one second. First, first time doing charts live on the show. So hold on, give me a second here. Let me let me adjust. Oh, this is my <laughs> this is from a tweet. I had drugs. This is actually instructive. Um, I, I this is from a tweet that I did that I had a little drawing on. But basically, we can we can see an explanation of the ETH BTC. Uh, this is the weekly chart. So you have the spring 2021 bull market, um, and ETH went from 0.03. ETH BTC went from 0.03 all the way up to topping at about 0.08. Okay, and that was in May 2021, and that was when ETH went from like three, 400 bucks to, you know, 4K or so while big, uh, after Bitcoin had kind of rallied or had led the rally, I should say, which is a similar to scenario to now, really, if you think about it. If Bitcoin led the rally, then ETH catches up. Bitcoin is significantly outperformed ETH up to this point. And then you basically had ETH BTC chop a lot and then it ended up making the highest point it ever went to, which was 0 0.8088. And that was in December 21, and that was the everything bubble top. That was the top of everything. From there, ETH went down versus Bitcoin a ton, all the way down to 0 0.049, uh, or just about, yeah, 0.049. And that was the 3AC blow up bottom when everyone was just selling ETH. ETH went to $888, roughly, was the bottom. Uh, and then you, that was the bottom from there. Then you had the ETH merge in September, it went up all the way back to about 0.085 from there. And then it's just been bleeding out all the way since. And then you have this week where we finally, we basically double bottomed 0.047. We actually went a little lower than the 3AC low. And now we're back at about 0.59. So that's the history of the ETH BTC trade right there um, in a nutshell. You basically had two periods where spring 21, where ETH needed basically caught up to Bitcoin. And then you had the ETH merge trade where you were able to buy essentially liquidations um, from people at, in the in the summer lows going into the ETH merge in September. And then now you potentially are able to buy ETH after the Bitcoin ETF gets approved and the ETH ETF has yet to be approved. But as far as a percentage, Let's take a look here. If you think it goes back to the high, which I'm not sure that it does, frankly, that's a 45% move. Eh. <laughs> you know, eh, not great. So if you're like me, frankly, a 40%, 40 to 50% trade over five months is just not that attractive in the environment where ETH because if it were to go to 0.08, that would probably mean, I mean, let's just do some basic math here, right? Uh, what price would Bitcoin be at in that environment? Let's say Bitcoin by May continues to go on an uptrend. Let's say let's say Bitcoin is just 50K for the sake of, of the math here. Uh, at 0.085, that would put ETH at 4,200. That would put ETH close to, close to its all-time highs, right? If like 48 was the all-time high. Um, so it wouldn't be too far off at that point. In, in the environment where ETH goes to 4,200, I think that there will be tons 
of alt opportunities that will be significantly better than just playing ETH BTC, right? And so that's where you find yourself in a scenario where this trade is hard because I think it still happens, um, even though the BTC ETF launch hasn't been great, I still think the ETH ETF happens and in the sense, or, or trade happens in the sense that I don't think that ETH is under 3000, let's say, um, going into the ETF. I would be very surprised by that. I think it's very likely ETH goes to 3500 probably at a minimum. Maybe, maybe that's a reasonable target, like 3500 um, That would be similar to Bitcoin because Bitcoin went to like pre-ETF like 47 or so, I think was the high roughly. Uh, so from 47, if you look at the all-time high of 69, that means it was about a third off of its all-time high. ETH all-time high 4,800, 3,500 would be a little like similar to that. So let's call it, let's call it 3,500 maybe is the high. That's not that great of a trade for five months in this market, right? Now, again, like if you're big money, if you're if you're TradFi, maybe that is a very good trade, for, or it is a very good trade for you, right? But for smaller portfolios like us, and, and when I say smaller, I literally mean anyone with like, I don't know, sub probably, sub eight figures, I don't know, maybe above eight figures. Even then, like, I don't know, if you have 10 million and you're a good trader, you could probably do plenty of damage, right? Anyways, the idea is most of you probably are not running a fund or uh you know have huge bankrolls so for us i it's just not the most attractive trade even if it's the most obvious trade that's where uh, you have to think about how you want to put it on i think if you're going to try to put it on frankly the easiest way is and and this is kind of what i'm going to try to do if bdc nukes it out and we go into the 30s i'm gonna wherever we where it seems like we find a bottom i think you just long the hell out of eth and hang on to that long for as long as you can or you could go all in spot and use your spot as collateral that could be another way and ideally you know if bitcoin were to go like i said earlier like in 36 for example then maybe eth will be 19 that'd be cool 1900 maybe and at that point then you could just put a big eth long on and you know ride it to 3k plus and then it's a little more worth it but that's kind of the situation with eth and like i said the likelihood is the other thing that you have to account for. The probability may be lower um, that this trade plays out as well because of the GBTC scenario. I think it'll still play out, but you have to account that risk. So it's a it's a complicated trade. And, and the other thing too is it's so consensus, which maybe doesn't matter because the BTC ETF trade was pretty consensus. Um, so maybe that doesn't matter that much. But you know, you always have to you always have to think about long and hard when you're going to take a a five month out consensus you know obvious trade so uh, that that's kind of how i feel about it i feel like for me if i miss eth itself i'm not super concerned because in the environment where eth goes to 3500 4k there's going to be a ton of action to be had both on chain and on other alts that i think i'll be able to do just fine in that environment um, but if you're looking for like the secure safe trade, I would say either just take ETH BTC or, you know, wait for an ETH nuke uh, or maybe not nuke, but I'm sorry, a BTC nuke and, and buy ETH wherever the it seems like we're bottomed out. That's probably the most easy, straightforward approach, honestly, as simple as it is. So that's kind of where I'm at on ETH BTC. Let's switch back to uh, main screen here. OK, next Solana. 
I just wanted to briefly touch, and it was this is actually a topic for last week's episode, and it's even more pertinent now because Whiff started taking off, and uh, a lot of Solana on chain has been revived in the last couple of weeks or in the last week. And I was going to talk about that the idea of Solana being the new home of retail, especially for things like meme coins. Um, and like when I say retail, I mean like really small, smaller retail, um, retail, retail, you know, everyone's retail, who's not at a fund, you know, I'm, I'm retail, right? I, I prefer, I prefer the term sophisticated retail. Okay. You know, give me a little dignity. I do do this for a living. I've done, I've done well for myself. Okay. I prefer sophisticated retail, but you know, I am still retail. Uh, and most of you are still retail. <laughs> so, uh, but when I say retail, I mean like retail retail. I mean like guy coming in with two grand off of Coinbase and being like, what do I buy, right? Before that used to be NFTs on ETH or meme coins on ETH and or just meme coins on Coinbase. And now I think a lot of that home of retail has migrated to Solana. There's a couple of reasons for that. Um, first, that a bunch of people just made a bunch of money on, on Solana. Uh, and it had this great meme coin season. And it was the first of this new rally. And this was the first time in the last couple of months that we know for sure we saw a good amount of retail return, right? Throughout 2023, we had memes and we had whatever, but a lot of it was just, you know, crypto natives just trading back and forth with each other. Um, this is the first time that we've certainly seen people come back in the last few months. And so a lot of those people just made like a bunch of money on Solana, right? And the place where people make money first tends to be a place that they stick to. And that and you see that a lot with ETH, right? That's why so many people who are like ETH natives and ETH on chainers really haven't done that well over the last couple of months because their forte is ETH on chain and ETH on chain has very much been dead outside of a few like winners here and there. There hasn't been meme action. There hasn't even been a lot of like, you know, there was some AI coins. You had the BRC20 stuff that was basically Bitcoin coins on ETH, but there wasn't a ton of action on ETH, right? And so because of that, I think there's a stickiness because of the wealth effect and the comfortability of where you make your money, right? And because of that, I think that Solana very well could become um, maybe not the new home of retail total, but I think certainly solidify itself. Whereas before, I think the on-chain core was always ETH. And when we talk about on-chain, oh, on-chain season, all this, we mean ETH, right? And occasionally, like, yes, in the last bull market, you had, like, you know, rotations to different chains for DeFi and such on Phantom and Harmony and AVAX and whatever, right? But when people refer to on-chain, they typically mean Ethereum. I think that's changed. I think that has fundamentally changed. I think that Solana on-chain has solidified itself and is not going anywhere. And I think there's a lot of people who are most comfortable now making money and trading on Solana. And I think that's going to stay. And I think a lot of money, a lot of capital rotated over to ETH, and, or I'm sorry, from ETH over to Solana. And I think that a good amount of that is going to stay. Um, I can say for you, myself personally, you know, I moved some money there and I ran up, you know, profits and I left it there because I said, you know what? Uh, I, do, I, I mean, some of it I'm, I'm, you know, I may move if I need it, whatever. But I said, ah, I don't need all this money right now. I'm going to leave this here 
and you know if i need it and then this week it was like oh whiff is hot i'm buying whiff you know other other soul coins are coming back right and that's why you leave the money there and i think now that eth has or solana man i'm mixing up i'm sorry i'm terrible now that solana has solidified itself even more where it kind of cooled off and now it's come back before eth has even had any activity at all it really feels like Solana may very well be the new home of retail. And I think you have to think in your brain a little bit when we say, oh, it's time for on-chain season, right? Because it's, oh, the risk curve, whatever. I think I think you have to now think on-chain season will mean both Solana and Ethereum. I don't want to say that Ethereum is out because I think that's foolish. I think there will certainly be plenty of on-chain activity on, on Ethereum still for, for a long time. But especially like memes and more like retail, retail, small fish retail. I think a lot of that is going to happen on Solana. And a lot of them, the other thing too is, you know, the, the, the gas fee thing is no joke. You know, I know people kind of meme it like, oh, you know, if you can't afford to trade on ETH, you know, then you're just too poor. Sorry, whatever. But, you know, that shit's real, dude. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember what it's like to trade with a $5,000 portfolio, but you just can't even do it on ETH, right? It sucks. It's terrible, right? Because if you're you're trading with a $5,000 portfolio and you want to take 10% of your portfolio and buy 500 bucks of something, and then you pay a $50 gas fee, well, you're paying a 10% fee just to take the trade, right? And that's in. And then if you want to get out, then you pay another 50 bucks. So you're paying 20% round trip on your principal, right? So you better make sure that coin is going up. You better know how to pick them. You know, and we saw this with NFTs. We saw this with with the whole you know 2021 mania when gas fees were like not even 50. It was like 100 bucks a trade, right? That's just not sustainable for people who are trading with. And forget even five grand. I mean, a lot of people just come come into crypto with 500 bucks. You know, they can't trade on ETH, and especially when it was kind of the only option. People just did it because whatever. I don't have a choice. But now that a lot of people have made money on Solana and they're used to trading on Solana where the fees are basically zero, they're pennies. Now they're like, oh my God, I'm paying $50 for a swap. Are you crazy? Right? They just won't even do it. It's like, it's just not even a, a realm of possibility for them. And that's, that's a real, that's a real consideration to be had, you know? And unfortunately, the ETH L2s have just not proven themselves able to build a retail base and build, um, you know, an active, you know, community of anything, right? Unfortunately. I mean, they have communities, but not nearly in the way Solana does. Solana clearly has the largest, like, retail community right now um, outside of ETH, right? The L2s just have not done it. And... Um, I don't know that that necessarily changes because of the the network effect and the stickiness of having liquidity and people and attention on Solana. So I think um, going forward, when you think about on-chain season, you need to be thinking about Solana. You need to be, your first thought maybe even should be Solana for the foreseeable future until, I think frankly, until like ETH can get over 3K, I, I think that it's not going to change because even with this little ETH rally we had this week, ETH on-chain there wasn't much, you know. ETH is like the home of the fundamental coins, right? You have uh, AI coins and maybe like BRCs and other, um, you know, like DSI, DPIN stuff that will be on Ethereum. But as far as like meme coins and things, it, Solana may be the new home. So that's that, that was kind of the, uh, the thought process there. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about. 
uh, and then we'll wrap it up, was just the interview or the two interviews that Larry Fink gave on uh, CNBC and Fox Business on Thursday and Friday or both on Thursday, uh, basically after the ETF launched. He went on and he said a few interesting things, but the main interesting thing that he said was he he said that tokenization is the future and then in the future every stock and bond will be tokenized and everyone will have a wallet and everyone will have like a digital identity and and he he really is like i mean it's pretty crazy to see the ceo of blackrock go out there the largest asset manager in the world say that like oh yeah you know what all those crypto bros have been saying for years oh yeah that's totally where we're headed you know it's kind of crazy to see that and this is not to be underestimated. And I think that this, him doing that very much creates a new catalyst narrative around what I'm, I'm going to coin it as the suit plays, okay? And that is, what are the plays that make a lot of sense in a TradFi world? And in the case of like tokenizing everything and combining the traditional world with the new digital world and combining, um, you know, real world assets, all of these things. There's a few plays that make a lot of sense. And the one that makes the most, and it's unfortunate that the coin is so lame, but it's got to be chain link. And, and the link Marines are going to love to hear this, but there's no single, there's no single project that if you're, if you're, if you say, I think the the suit narrative is going to be real. I think that there is going to be TradFi interest, and not just interest, but uh, an active push towards the tokenization of of of, ass, of real world assets and and putting everything on chain. Then there is no project that makes more sense than Chainlink, right? Because that is that is what they've been doing, and they have the partnerships, right? They work with Swift, they work with uh, I don't even remember all these organizations. I mean, they they every every major global uh, financial institution in some way seems to have spoken to or is already partnered in some way with Chainlink. Now, the coin itself, it doesn't trade well. It's not something I'm excited. It's like you look at how Chainlink or Link has performed in this cycle since it broke out from from its year plus long consolidation um, versus something like Solana, which also broke out from like a year long consolidation. And they, in the beginning, the meme was even Soul Link, right? Was the was the narrative, and that lasted about a week because Link broke out past ten dollars and topped around sixteen seventeen, and Solana broke out past like thirty bucks and went to one hundred and twenty five, you know, and that's that's where it's like. Dude, Link broke out of this year plus long, 18 month consolidation, however long it was, and it can only go up like 50, 60%. And then Solana goes up like 4X, you know, and this is why people don't like trading Link. And I'm not excited to, to trade Link. I'm not even saying I don't have the trade on. And it's something, again, similar to ETH, where you'd have to think about how you want to take the trade, but that it just seems like a very it's uh, unfortunately it's the cleanest option it's the cleanest suit coin option now there's other options i just don't love them some people like pith 
uh, I don't know. Pith is a newer coin, so maybe Pith is is a better option. But but Pith is like a worse chain link. You know, if we're talking about the tech, we're talking about the reality of it. Pith is a worse chain link. Now maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe I'm totally midwitting it, and I changed my mind, and I just put Pith on. Um, but Link is the is the purest option, I, and I wonder. I don't have price targets. The, the top of Link last cycle was like fifty bucks, roughly. It's trading at like 15 right now. So if you think just back to the highs, it's of three plus X. Um, ideally, it would make new highs this cycle. I think it has a good chance of that, especially with everything going on. Um, with finally this like years of what the Link Marines have been saying about Chainlink finally like coming to fruition. I would hope that it makes new highs right i would hope that maybe it could go to 100 bucks so if you think it goes to 100 bucks then it's probably a spot hold right because that's like seven eight x from here that's a pretty good trade now the the problem is just this last breakout was so uninspiring that i'm like man i don't know what it's gonna take for for this coin to really like get a move on you know and of course on top of that you also have Chainlink labs who just actively continues to sell a token and that completely suppresses price and so you have to ask, where does the demand catalyst come from? Because it's not a small cap either. But I don't know. I haven't looked. I don't know how liquid, uh, you know, Link's books are to, to, to push it super hard. I would guess it's not super duper liquid like most salts. But it's the cleanest trade. And it's something, you know, I got to think about. I'll come back to you guys. But, but I think... The suit narrative is real, and it should be something on your radar and something you're thinking about in terms of, I mean, the BlackRock CEO just went on TV and told you, we are going to tokenize everything. So you need to be thinking about plays that revolve around that. And I'll leave it from there. I'll, I'll talk more maybe if I have other coins. Now, I also, I'll say, I also like Kanto. I've talked about Kanto before. I think Kanto is a great real world asset play. They already have T-bills on chain. They already have a lot of infrastructure that they're building on very quickly. And I think the guys on Kanto get it. You know, from, from what I've seen, from what I've talked to some of those guys, I think they get it. And it's just a question of execution. And then will they win? Because obviously there's a lot of people trying to do, do, um, similar things to what they're doing, but they have good partnerships, you know, Cumberland um, is working with them to put T-bills on chain and, and all of this, and they have their their note stable coin kind of carry trade. So all this is very interesting. Uh, I think Cantle is a good option for that. But Link is certainly the purest option. Pith would be like a, a BC tier as far as the tech and usage goes, but maybe, hey, doesn't matter. It's, it'll just pump like hell. And we'll have to think about some more trades surrounding the suit narrative and the tokenization of everything. But that I think is very, very real and became more legitimized this week. And it's something that's going to be top of my radar for looking for exposure to that narrative. So I will leave you with that. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Like I said uh, in the last episode, let's get to 10K already. Okay, let's get to 10K on YouTube. So hit that subscribe. If you're listening on audio, you know, you miss out on charts, you miss out on, on this beautiful face. You don't get to see that. So maybe consider subscribing on YouTube, you know, up to you. But anyways, guys, thanks for watching. Um, I'll see you next time.